I had to go to all the lodges I had to play all the shriners I said hello to hey LA I'm coming your way so people sit on their butts got the dream yeah but not the guts that's living for some people for some hum drum people I suppose well they can stay and rot Thomas John Gruthers. I'm William John Leckerton. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Um, yeah. Don't know where. We both have, that. The, there we go, though. We both have the same middle name. That's it. The same that's, middle name. Yes. That's a true thing. Uh, I, however, um, after spending a fortnight with Gypsy, I am considering changing it to Thomas Thomas Rose Lee Gruthers. Um, well, we were talking the other, the last episode, why we haven't done a, a drag, <clears throat> uh, me, drag, Miss Lovett, and uh, you as Sweeney Todd. I'm not even, this one isn't even a joke. This, I, I don't, like, literally, you as Herbie, me as, <laughs> a, a, yeah. me as Madame Rose in drag. Not even like it, it works. faking. It really works. Yeah, not even <laughs> faking the performance. Not even doing like a. I, I kept thinking about the birdcage, and I kept thinking about when he goes. Um, it may be a drag show, but it still has to be a good drag show. And I was thinking, I would not do these songs, you know, as as ham fisted and oh, I'm gonna do Ethel I was like, that was a pretty bad Ethel Merman. Today I can do that today, but everybody can do that anyway. Um, but I, 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 I think we could stage that, and it would be critically acclaimed, and uh, the reviews would pile in. But anyway, I love Gypsy. I think it's a perfect musical. I think it's one of the greatest musicals of all time. Uh, well, why, why, why are we, why, why are we talking about Gypsy? Why are we talking about Gypsy? Because um, Mr. Sondheim uh, wrote the lyrics. He did. We, and uh, did he just write the lyrics? That's the, the big question. Well, uh, we're going to talk about this later. But, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so we've already talked about West Side Story multiple times on the show. Uh, and so we're moving into his next big project, which was writing the lyrics for Gypsy. Uh, then next week we will be doing, uh, next episode rather, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Our first show that we're going to look at where he did the music and lyrics. Um, however, this is just another all-star team like West Side Story. Jerome Robbins doing the choreography and directing. Arthur Lawrence doing the book. And then later in life, helming the Time Daily production, the um, Patel of Pone production direct, as, as, as director. Uh, Jules Stein doing, <laughs> doing the music and Stephen Sondheim doing the lyrics. It's just another one of those all-star teams, much like the case of West Side Story obviously with a lot of overlap, again, um, that you just, it's a product of a different time. I think if when you look at the budget of this, when you look at the structure of this, when you look at the, just the matter of characters, you've got to hold, you've got a whole child's cast 
that is in it yeah. for half an hour and then disappears. <clears throat> and that, like, literally, just from a boring budgeting point of view, those sorts of shows don't get made no. anymore. No. Um, I'd love to, I think, um, a version of a Come Fly, Come Fly With Me movie. I, of course, don't mean come fly with me. I mean come from away. Uh, I was going to say a come from away although movie. Come, come fly with me. Although come fly with me itself would be a good film. Um, but come, <laughs> come from away is one of those, you know, it's a nice little musical, but, you know, it's an hour 40 and everybody's playing different roles. And I think when you're trying to tell the story of these, you know, close to a thousand, I think, people, more. Anyway, yeah. these this huge amount of people in this small town. I mean, it's hard with a musical because, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, budgets, but oh, you're never going to convey that with multi-rolling and 15 actors. I mean, no. you can and they do, but I'd love to see that as a film where you can actually cast 100 people and more. Uh, and I think that Gypsy is one of those things where it was like... it it was almost immediately a modern classic. Uh, although we'll talk about the productions through the years and it, it's sort of finding its footing, but it's one of those things now where you can't touch it and you can't change anything. So no. you have to have a dog and you have to have 20 yep. kids and you have to have Tulsa and June who never show up for the second act at all. Yep. Not even for like a glimpse there's no multi-rolling. Uh, well, no, there's a little bit with Uncle Jocko. <laughs> there's a little <laughs> bit. Um, but uh, it, it's one of those things where it's just a big, old musical. It's epic in scale, epic in cast, epic in production, epic in its story and its, mu and its songs. And you just have to take it as it is. And it leads to a very rare... Um, failure uh, rate. I mean, there are a couple, we're going to talk about them, but it leads to a very successful ratio because it is a perfect musical. I mean, this is a Sundown quote for you. Um, Gypsy holds up so well because it's about people. I believe it's one of the best shows ever written, the last good one in the Rodgers and Hammerstein form. So, because it does feel like something of a bygone era, perhaps. Uh, it does feel grand yeah. in scale and very classical as well. Um, another Sundown quote here. Like Citizen Kane, arrogant though the comparison may be, there's not a moment in Gypsy that isn't entertaining. Um, again, com completely agree. There's no bum number. There's no... I, remember, I watched it with my ex and she wasn't a big fan of all the Dainty June stuff and all the big numbers and she, uh, all the big um, child numbers and she found them quite annoying and shrill. Um me too. But would you cut them? No. Because you can't, because that's the story you're telling. I can't. Yeah. And I think there's enough genuine humour um, injected, like with the droppings of the cane and, and the kid and the one kid yeah. who's always out of step. And and it, I think the opening one is just like, oh, these kids are very talented, that's great. But then when it gets to the, well, they're not adults, they're somewhere, well, they are adults, obviously, but it's like these grown men still playing <laughs> the kids' roles. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, the, uh, Saturday Night Live did a sketch and it was like, you know, they're all, she's still in the show and like Mama Rose is in this wheelchair and she's like elderly. And it was Harry Styles week or whatever. 
And the joke was that, oh, wow, you know, they're all old. But that's not really a sketch or a parody because that's already in Gypsy. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm sure they were musical fans. You don't, you don't, you know, write that sketch if you're not like, okay, I want to see Eddie Bright play Mama Rose, which I'd be all for. Um, so the way that we do this, we're going to, a little bit about uh, the biography and a little bit uh, how this show got made. Uh, we're going to be looking specifically today at the 2015 uh, Savoy production that was filmed and pro shot, starring, of course, Amanda Staunton and Lara Pulver and uh, Brian Davison, um, just because it's it's phenomenal. Peter. Peter what? Peter Davison. What did I say? Brian. <laughs> I don't know, Brian. Brian and Peter. That rings a bell. Peter and Brian. Peter and Brian. Brian and then pizza. <laughs> uh, yes, yesterday I was working a uh, party and they played da 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 da. And in my head for the whole five minutes, I just had Sarah Hadland going, a bit repetitive, isn't it? <laughs> oh, um, that was scary that we both got number nine IRL things yesterday, didn't we? Why? What was yours? Did you see the card I sent you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, of course, yes. Of course I did, yes. Yeah. yeah. I forgot that that was yesterday. Creepy. I remember loving Manhattan for our video uh, listeners. Mm. Video listeners. Kind of an oxymoron. Video yeah. watchers. <laughs> Gypsy, a musical fable suggested by the memoirs mamwa- ma- <laughs> of Gypsy Rose Lee, book by Arthur Lawrence, music by Julie Stein, and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. It's dedicated uh, for... To for Erna Fillmore, the grandest maternal cannibal of them all. Um, the action of the play covers a period from the early 20s to the early 30s and takes place in various cities throughout the country. Again, talking about scale. If you read that and you're a producer, um, yeah, I think we talked about this in the Six by Sundam episode, but just the way basically Sundam was brought on to do music and lyrics. Um, it was an Ethel Merman project. Uh, they wanted to turn it into a musical, all that sort of thing. Uh, Gypsy, Rowley, Gypsy Rose Lee's memoir was a great success, uh, but I, I don't think it can be underestimated. She was still performing. This, this wasn't a bygone woman. She was still performing. And I think there is a great humility to the real life Gypsy Rose Lee to have your memoir optioned and then for the creative team to come to you and go, okay, we love the book. We want to make it into a musical. But we want it almost entirely to be about your mother. And it is about you. You're there. And you are definitely a co-lead. Hot take, I guess. I mean, she's not. It's definitely. Anyway. The role of Gypsy is a huge role. But anyway. But. Yeah, we want it to be about your mother. And for her to be just completely into it. And, you know, like for years after she said, yeah, no, I love the show. I think, you know, I think she was very honest about how, no, the show did her proud is a, is a weird way to phrase it. But she was she was happy with the show. That's the that's all to be said. She wasn't like, this is a ridiculous caricature. This isn't the way it happened. It seems to very much be the way it all happened. Um. With, with some uh, hilarious numbers in there also. 
Um, Sundheim, uh, so yeah, so Sundheim was brought in to do music and lyrics. However, Ethel Merman got brought in to play Mama Rose. It was sort of, the project came about with Merman in the role. It was built around her, uh, which of course was eventually Hammerstein's advice to Sundheim, um, still take the job, even though you're just doing the lyrics because you've never written specifically for somebody before. And I think it, um, and so Sundheim was quite annoyed. Basically, Merman got burned on the last show she did, which was from two new composers. And she said, no, get in Julie Stein. Um, and of course the music here is exceptional. And this is one of the greatest overtures ever. Um, certainly one of my favorites. And yeah, Hammerstein said, do it because you've never written specifically for somebody before. And I think it's a weird one in that it's still such an everlasting show and Mama Rose is one of these iconic characters that everybody, every female, is the, they say it over and over again. It's the King Lear of musical theatre um, for, for female performers. And yet it was almost entirely specifically written for Ethel Merman. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those things where I think, which is why I want to give a big props to Angela Lansbury when we get there, because she was the one who sort of was the first person to have a revival and she was like, oh, no, you can do it this way. And then suddenly that opens up every single door ever. Because um, as much as I love Phantom, and I love that it's a history piece, and I love that it's a museum piece, there is a thing about it where it never had that break. It was never off for five years, which then meant there would be a revival where somebody would do it entirely differently. There is a world in my head where I go, what would five different revivals of Phantom look like? I'm not saying that any would be better. You'd definitely have some uh, contemporary twists, E ones. Well, uh, um, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so, so the New Oklahoma revival. Oh, Jesus Christ. I did, did Stephen sometimes see that? He did. He did see a lot. I know he left. Be more chill after the first act. Did he? <laughs> yes, that got around musical theatre. Uh, musical theatre. Ma Michael in the bathroom is good. Shame that's the second act, isn't it? I saw Be More Chill. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. The set is terrible. It's just a big screen. It shows like this, and it shows like Gypsy, and it shows like Phantom, where you go, "Oh yeah, a big set." <laughs> Yeah. And it's so great. Um, and the Patti LuPone Gypsy production was a little bit stripped down. I think that's because it came from the encores set of performances, which are a more stripped down affair and they're sort of limited seasons and all that sort of thing. And then they were like, oh, no, no, let's just take this to Broadway. And so they kept a little bit of that stripped down nature. But this just goes full hog. It's at the Savoy, a huge, lovely theatre. I saw Nine to Five and Pretty Woman there. And it's just a huge, great space. And uh, yeah, very lovely theatre. Sondheim on the lyrics. I was heartsick, but I did it. And part of me is glad because I think it's a first rate show. And part of me is sorry because it delayed my work as a composer just that much longer. It also interrupted a funny thing happened on the way to the forum for six months. Julie Stein. Knowing that Steve wanted to write the whole score, I decided that I would never pull rank on him. Steve is very astute. He worked very closely with Arthur. And when we started working, Steve would come over to my place. God, we had a ball. So I think it's rather nice to hear quotes like that from Julie Stein. I think he was a very humble man. And um, I think he knew 
the situation. And of course, everybody at one point or another is at rock, not rock bottom, but st starts at the bottom. And so hearing those stories of respect is uh, quite nice. What's your relationship to Gypsy, Will? I've um, never seen it. Hmm. Uh, I, I know the, the soundtrack very well. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never properly gone full on Gypsy. Uh, so it was nice to, to to watch it finally sink yeah sink into the world. Um, yeah. So let's talk about another possibility for the show. In that Jerome Robbins originally conceived it as this grand panorama of acts, as the way it's been described with animal acts and burlesque acts, and it would be this, you know, the dying days of vaudeville show, and Gypsy Rosalie and Mama Rose would like pass through, a bit like Company. That to me sounds horrific. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's because what we do get is one of the greatest shows of all time. But I, I just, it, mm. it can't be underestimated to me. That that just sounds terrible. Because, yeah, vaudeville and pastiche is very enjoyable, but you've got to have something bringing you, bringing you back. Follies, the pastiche numbers in that are incredibly delightful and fun. But then they're constantly in juxtaposition. And the way that it was described in those original sketches of just them passing through and them being the scenes just rang just a little bit. Well, we know what it's like because we get the kids' numbers in this and they're, in, and they're incredibly fun and they're directed very well. And, and as we've already discussed, the humour of it all. But it can only get you so far. Like the strip, the final strip, and that, that being a montage yeah. through the years. Her changing character, that's what leads us through that. I don't think... Because in so many ways, when you read the memoir of Gypsy Rose, which I haven't done, but that's the show. The strip could be its own two-and-a-half-hour show. Yeah. You know, if you buy the rights to Gypsy Rose's memoir, that's the show that you think you're going to get. It's not a five-minute number almost at the very end <laughs> that gives an arc to a character who, who's not arcless. That's a complete underestimation of the character and what many actresses have done wonderfully well with it. But that to come so late, it's not a gradual thing. She's a child, a child, a child, a child, a child. Final 30 minutes, we get the arc of a life. Um. And some people might see that as a flaw. I, I never have. That's just the way that this piece is structured. That's just the chronological nature of it. Um, and obviously, the it's just a it's just a cherry on a Sunday for a performer to get that strip number. I mean, uh, just the arc of that, the the beauty and the elegance of it through the years. Yeah. It's just it, it's just a treat. It's just a treat for any any performer. Um, so the way that we do this is we go number by number and then we will have what I like to call an intermission. And in that intermission, we're going to talk about other productions and dream casts. And then we're going to go back to number by number for the second act. And then after that, we're going to put through doom, 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 our personal top five lyrics. And then we will cross check our top four songs and put in those four songs into the ultimate Stephen Sondheim song canon. So let's start number by number with the overture, Will. Yes, Ooh. I'm doing the overture. 
So many people cut it down, which I think is an incredible, just an incredible dull choice. This overture, Patsy LaPone was talking the other day about, I say the other day, years ago, but she was saying what she hates about doing musicals nowadays is that she's so lazy and she doesn't like having to move scenery herself. (laughs) And, you know, she likes the men in black just coming in in the darkness and moving things. And she loves a big overture, she said, and she loves the curtain down and she loves the entrance. uh, Sorry, she loves the orchestra playing as you leave. Um, Again, I I, I couldn't agree more. These are my favourite things about the musical. I, 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 we went yeah. when we went to see Sweeney Todd the 2012 production again with Imelda Staunton and Michael Ball. The curtain was up, and this was the first time my mum had ever seen a curtain, and my grandma had ever seen a curtain being really? up. And it's great; it lets you see the set, it brings you into the world. But there's nowhere to go from there, really. I mean, I know that's a big. Understatement. It works for Sweeney. Works for Sweeney because you had the like the people coming in and it was like wow wow oh, oh yeah, wow yeah but I bet it was the well that's all hell Prince like Cabaret was the first show I believe to have the curtain yeah. up and everyone was like what <laughs> <laughs> what I don't understand um but I do but I'd love to be there the problem is now that it's like they gone the entire other way around in that it's more. It's weirder, not weirder, but it's like, oh, there's a curtain. <laughs> it's it's like, it's like, oh wow, there's a curtain this time. What's the second look like? And I find that more exciting. Yeah. Well, I think that they've done very well stuff like, let's see, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. where they where they make that an extra. They've got like a sort of opening, just on the curtain, haven't they? Before they lift it. Yeah, it's all screens and, and yeah. all that sort of thing. I. I think obviously it lends very well to this piece of Gypsy in the classical mm. tradition and this world of the dying world of vaudeville. I mean, they've got the placards even, you know, they've, they've got the placards from the original text and they're coming down and it leads us through. Obviously, it helps tremendously with um, just the amount of settings and the amount of time periods we cross. Uh, and also there's a little bit of editorialising from, from Lawrence of, you know, like the bottom and happy birthday and those like little things that again just set a scene um it's just one of the most iconic overtures of all time um the barry manilow's showstoppers album which he did live has an overture of overtures which is this incredible medley of overtures and what's the first thing we hear Ram bam bam bam, ram bam 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 bam. it's those classic trumpets that lead you in and then immediately you're into uh, Jocko, Jocko's Funhouse. <laughs> um, I do find it funny where there's like halfway mark before we go into uh, Small World. Well, no, it goes in. Ram, bum, bum, bum. Ra, da, na, 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 da, 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 da. And you think it's done, but then it <laughs> leads into <clears throat> Small World again. Um what was I going to say? Anything else to say, Will, about the overture? Not really. I think it's it's very nice. Mm. Uh, obviously, it was a bit different watching the recorded production because there was things to watch, but uh, it's different when you sat there and there's music. 
Well, I mean, I, I've never seen Phantom and not got goosebumps on. You know, it, it does. What, the, the only time overtures do annoy me because I love an overture. Like King and I, I think is one of the greatest overtures of all yeah. time. Um, but it's when the the old fashioned when they used to do the filmed productions like King and I or Oliver, the musicals, and it'd just be a, like a still picture and all the credits come up very slowly and you listen to it. I never. I never Are you talking about the film, like just the films? Yeah. That <laughs> never did it for me. I don't mind it on like West Side Story when you get these weird lines and the Technicolor and then it eventually pans out and it's New York. Oh yeah, that is a weird, yeah. I like it, but I, but I like it. <laughs> I, it's like me, I'm an idiot. Like I'm an idiot. I like that my Godfather Part 2 DVD comes up with intermission. Like halfway at the intermission mark. I, you know, I was quite annoyed that my Hateful Eight DVD didn't have the intermission break because I thought you've billed it as this having an intermission and then on my DVD, it just goes straight through. Now I've never, like I do abide it when I'm watching with friends or whatever, but it's like now, you know, the intermission, I want to, that's a break. It's like once once upon a time in America, the intermission, I I think it's like three, it's about four hours and the intermission is, is placed. I think at the two and a half hour mark. And it's like, this technically is not a good place for an intermission when it comes to um, just timing and spacing, but it's the absolute perfect place uh, following the brutal scene that we've just watched. And, and, and you're like, oh, God, yeah, give me 20 minutes and then, and then we'll see where we are. Which brings us into... May we entertain you? So I want to talk about this. Annoying characters. Versus, okay. Versus characters who are annoying. Yeah. Because this is a big thing I had with my ex. She would say this all the time. No, they're just annoying. Whereas they're supposed to be annoying, but they're still annoying. Where do you sit? I I see both sides. I'm not sat on the fence. There's good. There's good on both sides. Characters. (laughs) <laughs> characters that are annoying are are great because you get that visceral reaction that's why they're made um, however children <laughs> I, I can't do them it's like for me it was most obvious when they did um, <laughs> when she does the baby, shriek baby, baby June and the newsboys um, uh, and then when you farm boys and uh, and it's just where, where just the young boys are singing and it's about to introduce her. Yeah. That I, I, I just don't like the way nowadays that kids are taught how to sing and act in musicals because it's all very open your mouth, very wide and over the top. And it, it's sort of, they're not singing it because they know the character. They're singing it because they've been told, this is how you do that line. That, and then you put your arm there and I'm excited. Now I'm asking. It's stupid. But isn't that absolutely perfect for Gypsy? Yeah, because they have been told all of those things by Mama Rose. Yes. <laughs> Whereas I know what he's talking about with other shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, he's saying it's a big example of it. Matilda, I'm sorry, everybody. I don't <laughs> like Matilda. I love the film so much. I don't like the musical at all. Oh. Um, 
And also I found it weird that there's like four adults. <laughs> like what why are there five adults and then and then eight children? It's just such a stupid, weird choice. And I know it's just to make more numbers. It's like, what do you think we are? Stupid. <laughs> um so yeah, so like the and the original, and then obviously you get Rosa entries. And I mean, you have the incredible uh just sing out louise and that's just one of the old time lines of all time and, and you know yeah, i was watching the patty bootleg and just a rapturous applause when she comes you know the five minute ovations and all that sort of thing which of course we, we were making fun of i think last episode with hugh jackman hugh jackman <laughs> gentlemen you amaze me <laughs> and uh and all that sort of thing um there was a little bit of a delay um, on the on the applause when Imelda came. I thought, oh, they're not doing it because we're a good British audience, and then they did, which is under, which is completely understandable. She's she's our greatest living. Um, well, there's Judy. She's our greatest living musical performer. How about? Mm, yeah, I'll say it. She did follies. And who's afraid of Virginia Woolf back to back? Following what a six month break after this, she she is incredible. She's, She's very good. She is our finest. She is our finest gem. She is a legend. You know, Sondheim absolutely adores her. It was just like, yeah, I want you to do Mama Rose, and then I want you, you know, let's, you know, and then and then they do Follies, and and, and I don't know how much he had a say in the uh, casting of her in Follies, but it's like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like just get her in, and and she she clearly adored him. I I rewatched her Olivier Awards acceptance speech. She said, "And thank you for Mr. Sundam, who's been my champion for the past couple of years. Uh, he really is the Shakespeare of musical theatre, and that's got to help. I, it's just all down to him, and there is a deep love and admiration there that is uh, that is constantly felt. Is there any Sundam roles that you wish?" Um, that you want her to play. I think there's one big one left um, that she could do exceptionally well. Other than that, she's done my top three, The Witch, yes. But of course, she was already in Into the Woods. She was in the original West End production of Into the Woods with, uh, uh, she played the baker's wife. Oh, is it, was that the weird West End one where it was like, like a milk shop? Yeah, no. it's the original. No, no, yeah, you're right. It's one. the original Western oh, production, which is yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. And also, everybody yeah. forgets she was Dorothy in the National Theatre's Wizard of Oz, like long before really? Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, did it. They did a production <laughs> in the early '90s, or was it late '80s? Either way, um, I think Jim was in it. I think he played the lion. I might be completely, Aww. completely wrong. <laughs> Um, I might be completely clear. That's weird. I always find it weird that, that Andrew Lloyd Webber did Wizard of Oz because he just wrote loads of new songs for it. He just wrote three new songs for the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the witch doesn't have a number. It's like, what? <laughs> Whereas I was in Wizard of Oz, I played the Tin Man. And you don't think of Wizard of Oz as a perfect show. You think of it as a perfect film, but it really is another perfect show. It's Great place. I love Wizard of Oz. Oh. Yeah. Thank I auditioned for the Tin Man. Did you get it? No. 
I was too young. I was giving it on spec and I was young. So how about that? <laughs> and don't don't worry, Will, you'll be my Herbie. Um, so in the original, you know, it's now in the archives. Uh, the original line was down on two, down on, you know, up on two. She was saying that just up on two, down on two. And then there's like a big red line through it. And then it just says sing out Louise. And it's one of those like historical documents where it's like, oh, you've, you've caught history here. What do you think of Uncle Jocko's Scottish accent? <laughs> um, I think it's great. I like his hair and his hat. Yeah, and, he, and he's... Which I had a sneaky look at the original. Uh, well, it's, it's the film, isn't it? Um, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, no, it's just... Um, it seems to be a staple piece of that character. It's got to have the wacky hair. Mm. And um, you should see those balloons. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, just, you know, I will get any kid on this show if the mother or the sister uh, has it off with me. Uh, and then Rose comes in and you just go, oh, my God, we're in the hands of a master. I mean, especially with Imelda. Um yeah, let's talk specifically whilst we're in all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, Imelda, I mean, you're in the hands of an absolute complete master. I mean, just the way that she... And then she goes, stop sucking your thumb, Louise. Mr. Conductor, it would be a pleasure. And the way that she's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. No breaks, no nothing. She's a shining bullet, just driving through. And even then, when they are performing, she's finally got them performing. And she has to jump in. And she has to jump in repeatedly. And uh, I now realise that uh, Will's frozen. And then I, I, a very specific Imelda thing that I very much enjoy when she comes barreling onto the stage is, um, I will do some kicks. And she's not singing out. And she does the whole, I, can you hear it? I can't hear it. She, <laughs> she's mouthing along. It's just hilarious, hilarious stuff. Um, and, and Bizarre's an odd one, but it's like, it's not a big opening number, really, is it? Um, no, it's, it's more chaotic than anything. You're just completely yeah. into this sort of birthday party mess. It's one of those things, the overture is the big opening, and that sucks you in, and then we're into a scene, and then some people kicks in, and then you're, you're into mm. the rhythm. It's a quite, it, yeah. it, it starts quite oddly. Um, I mean, mm. the character of Mama Rose is so large that perhaps you have to meet a quote-unquote in-person first rather than immediately in a song. If, if some people open the show, like, like, oh, what a beautiful morning, she literally came on, sing out, Louise. You know, what are you doing here? I'm their mother. Some people can get a thrill. I don't think it'd work as well. Um, you, 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 the overture is big enough, the character is big enough, and you bring it in. And then over the course of the next scene with the father, you get even more of the truth of the matter and even more of her devotion. And, you know, she's eating dog food. That's dog food. That's what he thinks. I'm hungry. You know, she's just so devoted. And it's this first act and it's these early scenes and later, it's all throughout, but there are many, many choices, little choices that an actress can make that completely flounder a production. <coughs> Pardon me. 
if you don't exemplify the care that she has, and I mean, it's all in the writing, so you'd, it, it would be a truly terrible performer who manages to ignore it. But if you don't emphasise that care and love, and you don't emphasise that it's all for the kids, with, obviously, as we go on, you know, with Rose's turn and the things she confesses in that final scene, that, yeah, maybe it was for her a little bit as well. Then you're going to lose your production. <laughs> Pardon me. You're just going to lose an audience because there's only so much you can take. Like I was re-watching her Graham Norton interview and she's like describing the character. Um, like she was telling a, a story of the mouse getting caught in her, in her coat when she was in the middle of, uh, in, at the start of the show. And she's telling the stories and she has to say, yeah, I'm playing this character of, you know, the showbiz mother from hell. And I was thinking... Is she just saying that for just, you know, it's a, it's Graham Norton and I have to be a little bit funny? Or does she genuinely believe that? Because I don't think her performance here exemplifies that at all. I, I, I 100% see all of the care in Imelda's. I think it is the most caring of the performances. Maybe that's because Patty Lapone has, has played it. Um, and I really just can't see that. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I have a big strong take about Patty's ex performance, yeah. but uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, we'll get to that <laughs> later. But I think Patty does something that I don't think any of the other mothers, any of the, the any of the other Madame Roses have done. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, and that scene with the father immediately we're introduced to these things. It's for my girls. It's too late yeah. for me. You'll leave them just like your mother left you, and this thing of leaving and walking out. And also, uh, sort of, Herbie becomes a placement for the father, for the father figure. And mm. Rose's dad here, you know, I, you know, I love you, Louise, and you know, stay, you know, go to bed, Louise. And there's clearly a thing here of, you know, the dad thinking, oh, Louise will be the one to get out. Um, please don't drag her into June's too far gone. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a there's a lovely lovely care. And obviously it leads us into some people. Um, yeah. Which it sometimes talks about in Finishing the Hat about how weirdly it starts. Whereas, because it, 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 every everybody else, apart from Imelda, goes for the, like, Patty, get, you know, I'm going to get my children, I'm going to get up and get out, some people. You know, it, you, you know the get out is so high. Even Merman get up and get out some people it's high and then immediately down and sometimes I'm talking about in finishing the hat how actually that's a little bit clumsy and I was listening to it in this Imelda version and she even slows it down a little bit and because all of the Patty versions are sped up and that's incredible for Patty's delivery and she just <laughs> fucking rules every yeah. song it's incredible <laughs> but they return for some people to the um, slowed the slow I say slow it's a slower pace. And she goes, to get up and get out, some people. It's it's the same line. And again, I think it leads into a build uh, with some people. I think if you weren't convinced by Imelda Son's incredible prowess as an, as an actress as a, and, and as a singer, then some people will more or less uh, blow you away. Um is some people in your top four song, uh, top four, Will? 
It is. Yes, it's a mind too. I, I, I. No, we're not going to talk about this. Not, I, I want to know what your four choices are. <laughs> I think we'll have the same yeah. three, and then the fourth three. will be. I mean, we mm. should. We definitely have the same three. Two. Well, I think we have the same two. If you don't have right, because I know you have some people. So what? Which one are you not? Anyway, right. Okay, we'll get there when we get there. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, the original broad. Obviously, there is. You know, you ain't getting eighty-eight cents out of me, Rose. At that sundime on the original Ethel Merman Broadway cast recording, uh, because he was just <laughs> in the studio. In the, in the studio, you ain't getting eighty-eight cents out of me, Rose. Uh, I found that very funny. Uh, oh. In this, we have the first introduction of the Imelda Staunton bop to the left and right, uh, which is which is something I've noticed, uh, where she goes, some people can get a thrill. And, and she does this little bop to the left and right, um, which, I, which I do greatly enjoy. Um, and this obviously culminates in the medal stealing. So for you, Will, I think some people puts you on the right side of Mama Rose. Because I think the opening scene, it's enjoyable, it's funny. She's an, she's an outlandish character, but some people shows you, no, this is a devoted woman, this is a devoted mother, and this is a, a, this is a clear dream that she wants to fulfil for her children. Um, and I think it's a, a very effective, and uh, obviously it's an incredible song, it's a, it's a timeless song, and it will be appearing in our canon. But um, why do you like some people so much? Well, why did you want to put it into the canon? I, I, it's just su such a punchy song. Uh, and I love that that motif is heard throughout the rest of the mm. musical then. You always get that. I mean, it, it kicks off everything's coming up roses. They think that we're through. Um, I was thinking earlier about how, you know, top five lyrics, how are we not going to sing them? I, I mean, I can speak them. Well, you can speak them, I won't. Anyway, so then we aim to enter into a montage of kidnapping multiple children. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A My dancing. favorite. What's your favorite? I like the scouts. So I have. So that. So there's here. So there's the tap dancing child. There's the boy scout, and then there's the child of the father in the car, who who literally goes no. So that's probably my favorite because that's just completely a felony. <laughs> I mean, they all are. But I mean, again, so we're in constantly in a tug of war in the first act. I feel between. Who is this woman? And then, oh, no, 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 no. She's really doing her best. She's kidnapping children. And then we have the Herbie scene um, where we meet Peter Davidson and uh, not, not his brother, Brian. Um, yes, Doctor Who. Which Doctor was he? Af he was after... Who was he after? He was after Baker. He was Yeah. Late 80s. Yeah. Have you ever gone in for all the classic Doctor Who, David? Um, Will? Um, the the odd couple, because they're only 20 minutes long. No, not the odd couple. Uh, not the odd couple. 
Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, not, I, no, not really. Not really. Neither am I. Um, classic delivery here from Imelda. You're not married. Because <laughs> I think she's just hilarious. She's as, as talented a comedic actress as she is uh, as she is a dramatic one. Um, oh, yeah. I th- was your introduction Dolores Umbridge? No. Uh, my introduction was as the chef in Nanny McPhee. Oh, yeah. I have it in writing. <laughs> also, was it? Is it she in the water horse? Is she? She is the water. <laughs> she plays the Loch Ness monster. She is our greatest actress. She was the water horse. Um, I don't think she's the water horse. I think that's Emily Watson. Oh no, no, no! I know who I was thinking of Brian Cox. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I um. Uh, what was I going to say? I'm going to Google the Wizard of Oz production that she was in. Uh, you talk about um, Herbie and their lovely relationship. Oh, it's, it's great. Um, it's really good. It's a lovely relationship. Talk about their meat cute. Yeah. Talk about I like it. when they have dinner together. And it's very nice. It's all right, I'll save you. So, yes, it was Jim Carter. Um <laughs> Um, Simon, yeah, I, and nobody else who I know. That sounds ignorant, but it's true. If all Christmas shows were as marvellous as The Wizard of Oz, Christmas time would have been nearly so unbearable. <laughs> Ian Judge's production has a magical exuberance and an irresistible storytelling sweep. Wow. He's also, he also directed uh, The Mikado. Okay. <laughs> Mikado. The Mikado. Uh, you know what I don't like when my charger doesn't work. Well, that's just me, I guess. Oh, that's probably because it's not plugged in. I'm a burk. Right. Um, <laughs> I asked your kids about you. I think it, it's one of those things where um, I was listening to a podcast about Gypsy, and they're on about how all when it comes to casting Herbie, all you have to be is sexually compatible with. Um, I know. Yes. Because they are, they're clearly, they must, oh, be, yeah, yeah. they must be having sex. And so when you look at the castings through the years, yeah, Ethel Merman and Jack Klugman, yeah, I can see that. You know, um, Carl Malden in the film, great actor, Rosalind Russell, less so. Anyway, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the acting rather than the performances. But um, Boyd Gaines and Pat LaPone, yeah. I mean, they really sex it up, that, to, you know, and, and cute it up. Small World is basically an erotic, it is basically an erotic number now in the hands of Patty. You know, she, you know, takes a, you know, when Melda makes a joke of, after three marriages, it takes a lot of butter to get into the frying pan. She makes that a joke, but Patty just goes, after three marriages, it takes a lot of butter to get you in the frying pan. And she's like grinding against a door. It's like, okay. It's also like how she, her a little priest, they just make that sexy. It's like, mm. what is happening here? But again, we will we'll get to that. Uh, with Michael Cerberus, not with George Hearn. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless him. Oh, liar. Uh, I love George Hearn. 
was going to say, this is enough. We're going to be talking about Imelda multiple times. We're going to be talking about Patty multiple times. We're going to be talking about Mandy Patinkin multiple times. We're going to be talking about George Heard multiple times. Elaine Stritch. We haven't even talked about Elaine Stritch. Oh, my God. This is a great series. This is a great series. Um, which leads us into Small World. So Stein apparently got annoyed with Sundime and his lyrics, saying... Uh, specifically the line, funny, I'm a woman with children. And Stein said, no man can ever sing it. Because he was thinking of hits and he was thinking of writing hit songs. And it, we go back to the catalogue of hits that he talks about with Sending the Clowns, where it's like, he just couldn't resist putting in specific lyrics to make that song work better for the show rather than um you know be a hit be a hit single i mean you know obviously that's better for history but uh, maybe not better for his bank accounts i think he'll be doing fine <laughs> uh but yeah that thing of no song is general do you like small world as a song that's not in my canon but do you i like i like both small world I, I like you'll it. never get away from i, I think that the the character they the, the way that davison does it actually is a bit Dad jokey in a way. Yeah. He's like, well, there's a bit like, oh, that usually helps. And he's just having, it's just cheeky, but old fashioned. I like it. Yeah. When, when, when Imelda, you know, when Rose finally says, I want to marry you, and he goes, oh, you know, like that sort of thing. And like later yeah. when together, where, together, wherever we go. And you know what he's doing? You know, I'm not being a part of this wherever we go. You know, it's these classic, yeah, dad jokes like you were talking about. Do you, of the two love songs, um, do you, which do you mm. prefer, Small World or uh, or You'll Never Get Away From Me? Uh, I like Small World. I like I like both. I'd probably say I prefer You'll Never Get Away From Me. I think if we, I think a big, I say big issue. It's not a big issue at all because um, obviously the show works tremendously well as it as it does and has worked tremendously well for over seventy years. I think you could make the choice of moving. Um, You'll never get away from me into the second act and evening out song distribution a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think you could make that argument. However, I would be making that argument more firmly if the book by Arthur Lawrence wasn't as strong as it was. This really is a case where the scenes are just as strong as the songs. Um, whereas in so many musicals, of course, those scenes, you're like, oh, fuck, you know. Give me a song, especially in those like classic old class, the Rogers and Hammerstein form. Oh yeah, great, you know, great for the time, and you can sit back and take it for what it is. But it's very, like Arthur Lawrence was just one of our greatest creatives, um, an incredible writer, incredible director. Um, he just knew exactly what he was doing um, and wrote some wonderful words. Um. So, yeah, so basically, a lot of the fact that Herbie can't sing and doesn't have a song is down to the fact that Jack Klugman just couldn't sing at all. Um, you might know Jack Klugman. Have you seen 12 Angry Men, Will? I have. He's one of the angry men, Jack Klugman. Um, oh. And basically, he just couldn't sing. And they did write a song for him in the second act called Nice She Ain't. And Son Diamond Stein... So basically, one of the like the, one of the guys in the strip in the strip in the burlesque theater was going to get you know, you know she's uh, she's a real nice lady and he's singing this song nice she ain't but I love her all that sort of thing, um, 
and it, it started in Sondheim came to him with the song and said we want to do this song uh, we'll play it for you think about it and then we'll come back tomorrow and we'll put it in or not put it in and Glugman went home had stress nightmares all night about forgetting the lines about singing badly and came in and in his own words told him to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, or something to that. I think it was fuck off. It was definitely, it, it definitely took me back. I was like, whoa. <laughs> All they did was write you a nice song. And so, as and you can hear it on the original Broadway cast recording. I mean, Rose, I love you, but don't count your chickens. It's like, oof. <laughs> so that kind of is the reason why Herbie doesn't really sing. In this production, they... The end of Small World becomes a lovely duet. And um, there's a bit more in um, You'll Never Get Away From Me. Um, <clears throat> it's just a very believable, meet cute. And they're just two divorced people and, and finding love again. And it's just delightful. Um, and obviously sends us down. Well, you know this. I love tragedy and sadness and so the second act of this is just like catnip to me. Everything going wrong. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is so sad and horrible. Yay. <laughs> um, but of course, you have to have the joyous first act for that to work. And you get that here. And then... Baby June and her newsboys, come on, extra, extra. Oh, yeah. They never say, they say, never work with kids and animals. This production makes you do both. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Louise with her beard and Uncle Sam outfit. And then it leads into the transition, which um, I dare say was done better. <laughs> <laughs> so I, do you remember now, Will, my usage of this? Yeah. I even used the same da-da-da-da-da-da-da. March, I believe it's called March of the President. Anyway. Um, it's just like wow why on earth was that I was just throwing anything I could into that but anyway it was just a shitty for those of you who don't know obviously everybody all of you it was just a shitty uh, A-level piece so okay we need a transition okay let's just do the Jerome Robbins chipsy <laughs> and then they all messed it up but anyway that's another matter entirely uh, then we get the happy birthday surprise scene. Poor Louise. They're all grown up now. Um, obviously, they're all grown up. And poor Louise. We think poor Louise. But then, <gasps> they did remember. Happy birthday, Louise. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday to you. Flat. Just a great gag. <laughs> Just a great gag. Uh, and we get introduced to the lying about the ages um, concept. None of you are above 10. <laughs> Which is a really funny, it's funny... It's a really, really funny joke in that scene. Because and then we it's have Goldstone. Yeah, it's funny because this is the first time they're all actually adults. Yeah. And then we have Goldstone. But then immediately we're into Little Lamb, Little Lamb. And it's like... I wonder how old I am. It's like, wow. Immediately, slap bang into the truth and the sadness of it all, which is entirely, in many ways, what Louisa's character is there for. Um, 
we Tulsa gives her a book gift. Put a note in that. I want to talk about that in a moment. It's just like, oh no, you don't need to wrap books, Tulsa. Oh. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And then we get Goldstone, which I think is a purely delightful, hilarious and brilliant song. Sundown calls it a list song at its most egregious. It sweats with effort. Wow. But it just has that big group number joy. It's currently in my top four. I, it's my fifth. Now I wonder if we have the same... Gypsies here. There's the bell. Follow me. Um, for those for those of you, if that horn doesn't pick up, then I'm going to look like a nutter. Um, yeah, it's currently my number fifth. I wonder if you have the same fourth. Yes, will be interesting. Will uh, put his hand can we up. pause for a minute? <laughs> yes, we can. So Goldstone's marvellous and it's big and it's high octane and it's huge and it's wonderful. And then suddenly, without a scene in between, without anything, dee, 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 little lamb comes in and it's beautiful and it's haunting. Uh, I read some analysis of, of, of how she can't, of how she sees even fake animals and fake objects as... Uh, as real to her because all she's ever known in her life is the actuality. I think it's more simple than that. I think she's just looking for any friend. Um, poor, poor Louise. Um, but, but little do they know. Because so, she's going to be gypsy. Uh, well, yes, yeah, she is going to be gypsy. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, what little does she know? She becomes to be a lamb farmer. I mean, if this was Dear Evan Hansen, then there'd be a whole lamb sanctuary. One day we we played with lambs. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, we played with lambs. You know what's lovely is that all of these songs start properly and don't start with. Yeah. I had a lamb one time when I was a kid. Just a little lamb, I couldn't think about it. But then the lamb came up to me and now I know. <laughs> little lamb, little lamb, little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. I don't like the romance at all. Uh, La La Land is the only good thing I that, don't Pascal, either. that Pascal Paul have ever done. Um, the same is. people. Yep. La La Land, greatest showman and Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's I. I mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robbins cut it. Jerome Robbins cut Little Lamb. Uh, Did he? He just cut it, and then Jules Stein came up and told him that he had talked to his with his lawyers and uh, would be withdrawing his entire score if Little Lamb wasn't put back in. And uh, <laughs> beyond time, why would you cut this? Then you have really no, nothing no, with dance. Louise in the first act. Yeah, they don't dance, darling. I love how uh, Jerome Robbins' impression is just, uh, they don't dance. It's like vicious. It's like Ian McKellen. <laughs> oh, oh. Have you seen Gods and Monsters, Will? I haven't. I haven't. See, Ian McKellen's, there was Ian McKellen's best chance at an Oscar, not Mr. Holmes. <laughs> Very, 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 oh, very, very good. Mr. Holmes is terrible. Very Was bad. that really his Oscar bid? 
he was nominated. He was nominated, I believe. Yeah. Was he? But it was terrible. It was very bad. We like to play the glass cups. <laughs> but um, Gods and Monsters is great. Watch Gods and Monsters. Well, Ian McKellen, Brendan Fraser, Lynn Redgrave. Um, basically, it's Sunset Boulevard, but gay, and with Ooh. Ian McKellen as Norma Desmond. Oh, brilliant! It's excellent. It's, it's it's true as well. It's based off James Whale, the guy who directed the original Frankenstein. Right. Uh, anyway, it's great. Oh. Anyway. Not the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein, which I also greatly love. I do love the, the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein. Um, that's just one of my those movies that I watched so much as a kid that it, it's just second nature to me now. I know every beat. <laughs> it's probably the only... Was I, Sometimes I think, am I literally the only kid in the world who had, who used to have Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and watch it weekly? Yes. But what if there's somebody else? Oh no, I know there is sort of Kenneth Branagh <laughs> and <laughs> and Emma Thompson. Oh, 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 I look at life from both sides now. Hartburn <laughs> <laughs> did it first. Bitch, drop the mic. Okay, um, I love the way that uh, you know Madame Rose talks about other people. You know, I mean, obviously some people is a whole song, but the way she talks about, you know, these girls aren't going to cook and clean and die. I think it's that thing of, you know, we it's the, one of the most famous lines in the show because obviously it's on every cast album because it leads you into some people. But it's like, you know, I'm going to get up and get out. It's just that thing, getting out. And obviously the great stealing of the silverware and the final spoon. Can I have a spoon to do my tea? And then she drops that in as well. <laughs> Um, and then that leads us into, uh, you know, um, you'll never get away from me. From me. Delightful. Which uh, we will sing very soon in our uh, in our production of Gypsy. <laughs> I would be a great Madame Rose because I can bind him Elder and Patty and Lansbury. Um, less of Merman. Go on. Oh. And, and I'm Will. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm Tom. Um, and I'm also here. Which also, which then leads into my favourite of the Dainty June numbers, Dainty June and her farm boys. Yeah. And the I, think, I think this is genuinely, genuinely just really entertaining and really fun. Yeah. Yeah. All the moo jokes. Mm. <laughs> also, Louis, Paul Louise, mo mo mo. <laughs> I, I, I've seen this how many times? Ridiculous amounts of times. I laugh every time. Mo, mo, mo. Uh, she's a very special friend of mine. Mo, mo, mo. Um, <laughs> just a little lyric I really enjoy. The train is late, so while we wait, we're going to do a little dance. <laughs> just like just bullshit musical theatre stuff, just leaning into it. And then watch this. It's a train. Doopa, 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 doopa. Um, and this is the one with the most interference by Madame Rose. You know, she's helping them along now with the, with the, with the canes and all that sort of thing. Um, are they two good tap dancers? Um, they're not as good as the boys. Who are you talking about? Oh, are you talking about the, Louise and the boys? Yeah. I am talking about the boys. Is it? Is it? Oh. Are they oh, are they saying, too good? Are they, are they 
Are they two good talents? Oh, <laughs> no. Um, it, yeah, it, hmm. you could argue because they dropped the cane and, and they start doing that at different times of the arms that it makes up for it. But. I can believe it with Tulsa because that's his character. And Tulsa's just really great and he's practicing all the time. And obviously we're going to get to that in a moment. But um, uh, yeah. Then we have Grand Zinger's offer to put June into acting school and to be an actress. And this is the first sign we see of Rose's um, cracking, basically. You are a star and I made you one. You know, he's trying to take my baby away from me. And then when Herbie comes back in, your mother isn't feeling very well. I'm going to take her back to the hotel. Um, just, just terribly, terribly upsetting stuff. Um, Will, what do you think of this scene? He's going to tell us in just a moment when his better half has uh, resumed her position uh, on the bed. That's because there isn't a chair. I should have explained. Uh, that was very. I, yeah, I was going to say. I should have. Ex I should have explained. There isn't a chair. That is why she doesn't just wait for him. <laughs> it's not uh, the Madman episode. Um, great episode, though. Um, Will, what do you think of that of that scene and the offer of Granzinger offering to be an actress? I I like it. I like it actually, uh, because. For Mama Rose more than anything, because this is what she's been working towards, and we we start to see that her work is paying off in that transition, and it means all of the previous uh, agonisingly painful numbers have been worth something. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's 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 the uh, as I say, it's the first sign of. Oh, this is this this literally could mean the end of her if 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 these kids leave her. It's it. I think it's all building up to the final straw, isn't it? And obviously, that's what gives us Rose's turn. It's the final straw. Um, are you, have you got a flask of tea? No, I'm just got a flat. I've got my water for my flask and my mug for my tea. Mm. But I might switch and swap. This is a lovely birthday um, cocktail shaker. But also, just doesn't, there, it just doesn't have, it's just, anyway. This year for Christmas, I got two flasks. Because you can never have enough flasks. As, as Leila Willoughby tells us, I have a lot of shoes. You can never have enough shoes. Um, which leads us into ram -ba -ram -ba -ba -da, If Mama Was Married I think one of the most underrated songs in the show Yeah um, We bring it's, it Oh go on yeah. I, I'm not the, the biggest fan of this number Are you? I'm perfectly honest oh, that's all right. uh, It's fine, it's fine but, uh, Yeah Bring in the animal motif again Five canaries, a mouse <laughs> and she just loves animals, does Louise. <laughs> um, you know, I'd get all those hair ribbons out of my hair and once and for all I'd get mother out too if mama was married. Here's a question, Will. What would happen if mama did get married? What would actually happen? Um, well, we're, we're assuming it's to Herbie. 
Yeah. If Mama, yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. If Mama married Herbie, nothing, nothing would change. Hmm. I don't know. Like, is it in the world where they don't need somebody to go on for that fight for that star striptease, and they do just go and get married? Would Mama Rose try to get show, uh, Louise back into show business in some way or something? I, I, I think she just have to let it all go. Mama's got to let go. Um, which does lead us into one of my favourite numbers in the show. It won't be in the song canon because it's not one of my favourite songs. But all I need is a girl. Here we have the incredible Dan Burton uh, performing it. Um, and we this have her in my top four. Really? Yeah. I don't have Rosa's turn in my top four, Tom. That's absolute dog shit. That, that is just not going to happen. Get a fucking grip of yourself. I, I want some old, I want some, you know, an older woman who loves Gypsy to turn this on. Like, oh, they're talking about Gypsy. Oh, these are two lovely young boys. And then cut to this, cut to this debate and just hear me just violently. There's, I'm sorry, Well, there's no way that we're not having some people, everything's coming up roses and roses turn in the top three. I will give you all I need is the girl, if that means that that can happen. But also, like, just that is just not gonna, that, that is the top three. And I made you a star. This is my show. <laughs> Why? Right, we'll get there in a minute. But that's, the, Jesus Christ. You've thrown me off for the entire show now. Right. Talk about your favourite song, Will. Talk about your favourite show. Uh, I, th I just think it's a really, really sweet number. Well, um, in a couple of months, we're going well, go like to go see the glass. Well, yes, of course. This has led every one of your choices. That's why you had Maria and Something's Coming. Mm. You have to think objectively, Will. I don't want to sing Rose's turn at all, but I know that. Well, though. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. In a couple of months, we're going to go see The Glass Menagerie together, which is one of our favourite mm. plays. And we're both romantics and we're both sad tragedy boys. And we love nothing more than we love some, we love more than anything The Glass Menagerie, Jim and Laura romance and the tragedy of that. And this is just that in one scene, isn't it? And it's Laura and Jim, and you know, and they're dancing together. And it's the first time we've seen Louise truly, truly, ecstatically yeah. happy. We've had, we have glimpses of humor in if Mama if Mama was married, but this is just just pure joy and happiness. And and obviously Dan Burton's dancing is absolutely incredible. Um, mm. And it's just pure joy, and it's pure love, and it's pure romance. And then obviously we get the incredible kicker. Oh my God. Uh, where where have I got it? Where, uh, it's a keen act, ain't it, Louise? I've never seen it. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's just like <laughs> rip your heart out. I mean, God. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say, Will, about your favourite song in this show? <laughs> uh, it's nice, it's nice, isn't it? Uh, so then we get this. Here we go. This is just like just 
you know, like, just take me home, baby. This is just like, <laughs> just 10 minutes, just take me home. This is the best <laughs> 10 minutes of, 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 of most people's careers. And Imelda did it eight shows a week for eight months. So the Herbie echo back, how long is it going to take you to get used to me, Rose? You know, and then immediately Rose cuts back, you ingrates, you steal the bread out of this man's mouth. Good riddance to bad rubbish. They were rotten in the act anyway. Okay, she's okay. So she's on one. And then that turn. And again, I'm going to bring it to Glass Menagerie. My one of my legitimately, maybe even my favorite line in any play ever is in Glass Menagerie, and things always have a way of turning out so badly. And this has another one of those with Is that the very last line? No, no. It's no. when Jim leaves. Um uh. Oh. But the very last line is blow out your candles, Laura. Oh, it is famously. The biggest the biggest distance between two places is time. The fourth dimension. <laughs> It'd not be funny if 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 Jim if if Tom came forward and just went into the twilight zone. <laughs> the biggest distance between two places is time and space in the fifth dimension. Blow out your candles, Laura. A small woman with a gimped leg. And her mother, an over an over oppressive woman, trying to find her her gentleman collar. This is a sort of relationship that you can only find in one place, the glass menagerie. Um, your your Rod Serling impression sounds like comic book guy. <laughs> Did you just Google Rod Serling? Yeah. You Google Twilight Zone host, didn't you? Uh, that was my. Exact, sir. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think Rod Serling's name was? I I had no idea who it was at all. You just know no. you were going to say Disneyland, you know Disneyland Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we have one here with something's funny, something's very funny, and then obviously Rose sits down once the letter comes out. And she has that 10-yard stare whilst Herbie does the most heartbreaking monologue of all time. You know, we can have kids and, you know, we can do. And, oh, and then, you know, and then we're in and Louise is in and we're all happy. We're all going to be happy, Will, aren't we? We're all going to, everything's going to be great. Yeah. And, this, and the second act is going to just be happy families. Right. And maybe they'll really do a little happy. show. Everything's going to be fine. I'm used to people walking out on me. <laughs> and you go, oh, no. Oh, no. And the stage directions here. During the last monologue, Rose slowly gets up and brushes Herbie aside as though she has not heard a word. She walks over as though in a trance to Louise. Her voice is flat and deadly calm. I'm used to people walking out. I mean... <laughs> okay, here's... Now, this is... My favourite line in the entire show. And I want to talk about this now. Because to me, this isn't funny at all. It's, I mean, it, 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 you could see it as darkly funny. But to me, this is just pure horror drama. This is the crux of the entire show. I made her a star and I can make you. Now, I'm going to make you a star. I'm going to make you now. And the way that Melda delivers it with that, with that inflamed look 
And yet people laugh every time. And I think it is quite funny, but also I just see that as completely horrifying. What about you, Will? Do you, do you find that to be a funny line? Hey, it can be. I think, yeah, not, I, I, I'd agree with you. It's, it's, it's almost a cry for help and obsession. Mm. And, 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 and Louise, I mean, just her blank face through this. Well, and then here we go. Nothing's going to stop I us. wish she was wearing the cow costume in that scene. We do get the cow on the, on the, bar, on the box, which would be quite distracting, I feel, we if did. I was watching it in person. Um, and then I had a dream. Oh, my God. I, I, how is it? This is just one of the best musical performances of all time. Did you ever get to see it? No. And then my mum rubbed some salt in my wound the other day. She said, I'd like to see Gypsy. And I said, I came to you and told you that Gypsy was on with the Mother Stanton, and can we go see it? <laughs> so thank God we had the DVD. But um, but I did go and see Sweeney Todd uh, in 2012 with uh, Mother Stanton and Michael Ball. Yeah. And um, was Thingy in it? Um, Peter Policarpo. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, the, the Furby comedian. Ooh, what? No, the... He, oh, that, that was on that, you went on his quiz show. Jason Manford. No, I saw Jason yeah. Manford in The Producers. Let the record show, Will was, Will was, Will got it wrong. Will was talking about a different perfect comedian. You didn't, you weren't talking about Jason Manford, were you? Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Why do you find Jason Manford burvy? Oh, you not, you not read the allegations. Just a bad, just a bad sense about Jason Manford. You keep on it, Jason Manford's Wikipedia. Well, I'm not derailing. We're going to talk about everything's coming at roses. I'm not having my everything's coming at roses moment. I feel like June. You, you, you're my June. All allegations, uh, uh, anything made against uh, Jason Manford, the opinions of William Legatory, the opinions of William Legatory, not Carruthers Legatory, whoever, the opinions of all commentary. Everything's coming at roses is one of the greatest songs ever. Full stop. Yeah. Is this not in your top four? Of course it is. Well, I don't think you can say of course anymore, Will. You've lost that right <laughs> with your... Oh, Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, let me figure this one out. So you've got Goldstone and All I Need Is The Girl. Anyway, all right, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, Jesus. <laughs> so, Sundime on Imelda. You, uh, you should hear the way she sings Roses. It's like you've never heard it before. Couldn't agree more. It's got the speed of Patty's version. It's got the intensity of Lansbury times 10. It, it, it's, 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 it's opera. It's beauty. It's elegance. It's fire. It's power. I sound like Bruno Dolioni. <laughs> so you look like you had a migraine. <laughs> It is so sexy when she talks to her daughter. No, I, I, um, it's, it's, this, this is just one of the greatest theatrical moments of all time. Um, Robbins didn't like the title. Um, Sondheim got very angry and said, but that's her name. Yeah. 
it's like her sales pitch starts off starts off quite jovial you know it's a sales pitch and she's doing the Imelda bop right and forth again you know you'll be swell you'll be great but then she just can't lie anymore and the true emotion of it comes through and she throws Louise away for the final refrain it's not about her more than Louise but that she is so totally overwhelmed by the intensity of her dream and 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 the passion in this blind optimism and the slow approach on you can do it all you need is a hand and the grab of the face and again building up the final quatrain is the greatest moment of Imelda's career I, I that's just I know I speak in hyperbole a lot but that is just the greatest moment of her entire career. <laughs> um, Everything's coming up, sunshine and Santa Claus. <laughs> and um, it's just, how can you not? Anyway, do you agree? Or, or is this, or, or is all I need is the girl better? Oh, no, this is, this, this is the, the best song in the show for me. Yeah. Well, will it top? Our ranking and um mm, okay um which brings us to intermission intermission go and get your ice creams do, 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 do. <laughs> um okay let's talk about cast albums and other productions so we start off with ethel i listen to all of these because i'm a uh, I'm a, a true podcaster now um ethel merman original very slow like every 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 song was just slower it felt very weird will do you want to break again no. Um, it's just everything's slower. And it's like, some people can get a thrill. And everything's just so much slower. It's not that she's not great. She's obviously an icon of musical theatre. But for me, it just didn't work. Sorry. Sorry. Then the film. Natalie Wood is absolutely mm. incredible. And she does all of her own singing, unlike West Side Story. She's sensational in it. Um, and would be an Oscar nominee for me personally. Rosalind Russell is fine, but just doesn't do any of her own singing. It's all Liz Clark. And the film is just, it's just very fine. Uh, basically, um, producer Melvin Leroy was with Ethel all the time and promised her the role and said, we're not doing the film without you. And then Freddie Bristol got his wife the role. Now, Elaine Stritch, one of my favourite people of all time, called Freddie Bristol um, the Lizard of Ross, <laughs> uh, referring, of course, to his marriage to uh, Rosalind Russell. Uh, so speaking of Elaine Stritch, in 1973, Elaine Stritch was announced for a West End run. However, uh, not enough capital was uh, able to be garnered on her name so then a couple of years later we got the first ever West End revival um well the sorry the first ever West End production and that was with Angela Lansbury and it was written and directed uh, sorry uh, directed by Arthur Lawrence and it eventually transferred to Broadway in 1974 now Rose's turn here gets a standing ovation and Arthur Lawrence notes that now whereas before everything built up to everything's coming up roses and nobody liked the second act Everything builds up to everything's coming up Rosa's and then everything builds up to Rosa's turn and the whole thing builds up to Rosa's turn. Um, I'm sure you disagree. Um, uh, Bonnie Langford was also in it. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't say 
who she played, but uh, she was in it. Rex Reed uh, reviewed it and said the most exciting thing since V-Day. It was a football game. Grown men cried unashamed. People cheered through a 15-minute standing ovation. Oh, there you go. Uh, then in 1989, the Time Daily Review, uh, the Time Daily Revival, pardon me, um, uh, Jewel Stein was involved in this one majorly, uh, as well as Arthur Lawrence directing it again. Uh, Jewel Stein commented, about six months ago, Bette Midler wanted to buy it for a movie. We wouldn't sell it because they'd only destroy it. Stein died in 1994. The year before he died, he saw Bette Midler do the TV movie, <laughs> um, which was fine. But again, a bit, bit weak vocally. Bette Midler is an incredible singer, and I, I know I sound insane saying this, but it just wasn't my favourite at all. It wasn't the best performed, and it wasn't the best song. So where do you where do you land there? Where do you go? I, I've not seen that. It's free on YouTube. Um, 1998 New Jersey production. Betty Buckley was in it. Uh, however, more importantly, Laura Bell Bundy played you, my absolute queen and goddess, uh, Laura Bell Bundy. Uh, come back to us, Laura. I know, I know, like <laughs> you said, you can't do a musical anymore because your voice was ruined by Legally Bond, but please come back to us. Um, do the shoe thing again. Anyway, then let's talk about this. So, the Bernadette Peters Sam Mendes production. So originally, mm. Patti LuPone says that um, he came to her and said, we want to do this with you. And then it all fell through, which Patti LuPone is still very bitter about. So Sam Mendes, obviously, revolutionary director. You know, he, yeah. he did the big revival of Cabaret that they've, been, that they've then revived for the past, you know, 15 years, just doing the Sam Mendes production. Um, he did a version of Company, That's which we're going Alan to look Cumming at. One. That's the Alan Cumming one with Jane Horrocks, yeah, which was then taken to Broadway with Natasha Richardson and Alan Cumming, and then was revived um, five years ago with uh, Michelle Williams did it for a while, Sienna Miller did it for a while, uh, Emma Stone did it for a little while, uh, all with Alan Cumming. And then, so yeah, so Sam Mendes. And it was like, oh, Sam Mendes is going to do this. Because he did Company and he did Assassins uh, for Sondheim. So, was, so currently he was a bit of the Sondheim golden boy. It was like, oh, he's reinventing shows and he's doing them in, a, you know, he's doing them in an interesting way. Oh, this is exciting. It was like, oh, oh, this is exciting. Before Marion Elliott just made neon versions of shows. Um, exceptionally well-directed ones and beautiful looking ones, but just a neon version of every show. Um, anyway. Uh, and then it came to the production and they cast Bernadette Peters. Bernadette Peters is sensational in certain roles. Now, this is going to sound like I'm saying that she can't be. Do you not like Bernadette Peters at all? Uh, oh, well. It's all right. I do, we love She's a Legend. Um... She's very Bernadette Peters. In the same way that Patty um, LuPone does, does Patty. They all do their own things and they don't do the musical. I think it's fair to, We're going to talk about Patty in just a moment, don't you worry. Yeah. But um, I think it's fair to say that I'm obviously a devoted Patty LuPone fan. I'm not a devoted Bernadette Peters fan. And this is going to sound like I 
that I and she can't play any role with power or strength. But she is extremely good at playing vulnerable characters and delicate characters. And that's just not Madame Rose. There is power to the witch, but it is a cunning, mysterious power. There is power to her Sally in Follies. There is power to her Dot in Sunday in the Power of George. It just, it just wasn't there uh, with Rose's turn. And then also you've got the big thing, Arthur Lawrence talks about this, it's in the bones. Some people have a musical in the bones, some don't. Some can't direct musicals. And so basically the big thing was that they had the glorious overture and then the curtain came up and it was a blank stage. And then this old man came out with a cigarette and he put the black and the first placard down that said Uncle Jocko's. And Arthur Lawrence just said, who the hell thought that was a good idea? This, you know, and, 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 and then like all the critics you know, sort of, sort of railed into the railed into the production, and it was sort of oh. critically lambasted, and that was that, really. Poor Sam. Poor Sam. I, I'm sure he's fine. And then when and then, when then I, Arthur decided, I'm going to do it myself for the party, and I'm going to do it. Properly. Yeah. So <laughs> right, you know, when you say that Patty does the same thing every time, no, she doesn't do the same thing every time. She does Patty Lapone. It's it's not, oh, I'm Ava Perron now. I'm Paddy Lapone in a beta. Okay, all right, okay. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you mean, a little bit. I know what you mean. Patty Lapone is a goddess, and I love Patty so much. Oh, yeah. Here's my biggest thing. This is why, you know, Patty Lapone has done something that no other production of Gypsy has done. At the end of the show... Rose comes on, sorry, Gypsy Rosalie. So Louise comes on and says, you really would have been something. And Rose's turn is predicated on Mama Rose saying, you know, I could have been a star, you know, if I let out what I had inside of me. And then every time it's this manic breakdown and it's this at times well sung, but it's this manic mania. Patty makes it a show-stopping, I mean, it's always a show-stopping number, but Patty makes it, a belty, beautifully sung power ballad. And in that one number, you go, oh, yeah, she could have been a star. And it, I think it's the, genuinely the first Gypsy production where you go, oh, no, 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 no. I get, I get that part of it. Of Whereas, living her dream through her kids. Yeah, instead of, instead of living a yeah. dream that she could never have because she didn't have any talents. Yeah. She has an abundance of talent, you know. I think it's incredible, and also I think it's just the best song the songs have ever been. Not the best acted, not the best, not the best performed, but the best song they've ever been. Um, I, uh, I of course love Patty. Um, have an angry Mr. Goldstone. Have a jab, sing, have a jab, sing, have a uh, I like, I like Patty a lot. Which leads us on to dream casts. Do, 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 do. They're casting a film tomorrow, Will. Who do you want in the role? Can I put Imelda in? I was going to say Imelda. Yeah. Yes. 
they're making the Follies movie. It's going to be directed by Dominic Cook, who directed the Imelda Follies. Mm. Imelda has movies under her belt, if people are worried about that. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. So Liza Minnelli expressed interest at a time. I could see that. Elaine Stritch. I, I, would, I, would, I would love to see Elaine Stritch in the role. I mean, Elaine's dead, but, uh, you know, these are dreamcasts through the years. So Streisand in 2011 was announced to produce, direct and star. Uh, then it all got caught up in rights issues. Barry Levinson got caught up to direct with a uh, Richard Legravenez Le- 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 script who did The Fisher King and uh, Behind the Candelabra. Um, wonderful act, uh, writer. Uh, but all that never came to be. If you could, um, who, who are the who are the people throughout the years, Will, um, that you would have liked to see take a stab at a theatrical production of? Um... Uh, Meryl Streep. Mm. Can I just say this now? I don't like that Meryl's one of the Sondheim women nowadays. <laughs> I just don't like it. The Sondheim women, to me, are the five, are the six that were there at the 80th. Patty and Audrey McDonald and Elaine and, well, no, Bernadette Peters wasn't there at the... And, and, anyway, it's Bernadette and it's Elaine and it's Audrey McDonald and it's Donna Murphy. And, and then you can... And then I'd put in um, Imelda now. And I put in Christine Baranski. Meryl's done what? The Witch? And she did that fine. Everybody okay. loved, oh. every, everybody oh, loved the ladies who lunch. Oh, we're all getting drunk on Zoom. Very, very funny. She's... <laughs> sorry, sorry that I'm not the biggest Meryl fan in the world. I'm sorry. I'm a huge fan. But singing's not at best part. Let's just say it as it is. Oh, yes. So you would what you would be into a Meryl Gypsy? Oh no, I wouldn't watch it. You wouldn't even watch it. Oh, I would watch it. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, that's that. Which brings us to the end of intermission, which brings us to the opening of Act Two. Ole, everybody. My name's Louise. What's yours? Oh no! <laughs> oh, here we go. She's done. <laughs> uh, you know, and the blonde wig business—it makes her look like a, a star. <laughs> uh, which leads us then into together wherever we go. Now, this currently will is my fourth. Oh, <sighs> do you not like uh, this song? Oh, will no, I'm, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. No, I was, that my, was my old, because that's currently my five, but I'd happily put it instead of Mr. Goldstone or All I Need Is That Girl. Let's replace All I Need Is That Girl for me with Together Over Again, because that's the one I've been singing. But you're not... One minute. <laughs> if you do that, then yeah. I can't give you a song, which means that you just have to give me Roses Turn, Some People, Everything's Coming Up Roses, and Together Wherever We Go. Because if you're giving me together, then I, that's my fault. 
and I can't give you anything so to keep Rose's turn. What are you saying? You can't remove Rose's turn. I'm not removing Rose's turn. <laughs> you will be better off getting blood from a stone. The okay. cat, the four songs are some people, everything's coming at Rose's, Rose's turn together wherever we go. Yeah. Are we locking that in? Okay. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I win again. Just like the Bee Gees. You win again. Um, why do you like this song so much, Will? I agree with you. This is this is the one that stuck. This this is the earworm. This is just really fun, isn't it? Mm. And it's funny, and it's and it's it's very brush up your Shakespeare sort of uh, mid act to we're having a fun time song. It's bringing everybody back. It's it's Krupke mm. in West Side Story. Um, even though you're following the rumble, which we've talked about before on the multiple West Side Story podcasts, is just a terrible placement. But anyway, we all take a bow, including the cow. I like in the Patty version, she goes, hey! <laughs> you know, uh, nothing by threes. No, this way, Louise, together. Uh, so Ethel Merman wanted to cheat, cheer up Cole Porter, who'd lost both of his legs, amputated, uh, following a riding accident. Um, and so they went and played him a couple of songs um, and they played in this uh, and Sondheim heard an audible gasp upon Amigos on their no fits, no fights, no feuds and no egos, Amigos together, which was, I believe that that's, this, that's in my that's in my top five lyrics as well, yeah hey. and, and obviously that, that's, that's the fourth rhyming line and he heard yeah. an audible gasp um, because he didn't expect the fourth rhyme. And Sondheim says, anytime I need an ego boost, I conjure up that gasp. It may very well be the high point of my lyric writing life. Oh. It's just delightful. And it, and again, it returns us to um, first act, uh, Rose, where there's a, where's a couple of glimpses of, you know, hard on our luck, you know, we're going to, you know, it's Mickey and Judy, you know, let's put on a show. It's that attitude, and it brings us back to that. Before we reach, slow placard rolling up the bottom. And here we are. And we all know, and, 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 and I mean, I can only imagine a Broadway audience in the late 50s going, oh, finally, this is the show we get, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were enjoying it though, so, but it was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where we came. She's a stripper. <laughs> I think you kind you forget you forget a little bit yeah. because you spent so much time with her as a child. I think um, that's well. That's that's you know that's its own thing. Um, you know, and we're finally face to face with the death of Vaudeville. Nobody could say we didn't you know last until the very very end. And then I have here the world's saddest and most bitter marriage proposal. And for me, it's not out of love at this point, it's out of survival. She knows that she needs a man. She does love Herbie in so many ways, but this is what you get, um, unfortunately. And it's this, you know, the day we leave here, I'm not marrying you in a burlesque theatre, the day we leave here. And of course, it's that tragedy once again. But then immediate tragedy followed by you gotta get a gimmick. Just hilarious. Still using the same original Robbins choreography. It's one of those things where you just can't beat it. Really? Yeah, that's the original stuff. Um, I put here that it's the last humour of the show. 
that's not exactly true because there are a couple of very funny lines in the end. Like funny, we could both wear the same size, you know, and all that and all that sort of thing. It looks better on looks better on me than it does on you. And all those like final jokes. But this is the last really funny number. Um once I was a schlepper, now I miss Mazeppa with my revolution in dance. And of course, if you wanna bump it, bump it with a trumpet. Uh, very fun. Do you like you gotta get a gimmick, Will? Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun one. It's a fun one, yeah. Um, and then and then here we go, we're into the tragedy. Uh we, we we're just about to leave. We need somebody for the star spot. She got done soliciting. Oh, Jesus Christ. We know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. And wang. Herbie leaves and we're into the strip. When, uh, you know, so how much did you, so this was the first time you were watching the show more than the music, Will. Yeah. Uh, what What did you think of these twists? Uh, they're twists. Well, not twists, but these yeah. narrative turns of Herbie leaving and all that sort of thing. I, I really enjoyed them because uh, I, I I'd always before probably watching it just seen it as this sort of uh, just rose really that's it yeah it's just a you could it's a one one person show well Herbie not... Herbie doesn't have any songs on the soundtrack so you're not going to think he's mm. you're not you, you know you're not yeah. going to go oh who's this guy oh <laughs> it was yeah no I I enjoyed it a lot well, I did so enjoy sad. it. Yeah, it's, just, it's, just, it's painful. Um, the whole family shouts, it's because we lived by a railroad. Uh, that was a pretty good analogy. Anyway, um, so let's talk about the strip. I mean, just a marvellous performance by Lara Pulver, who we've not said yet is um, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. I should, I should, shouldn't just leave it there, should I? Well, it's not Astrid. <laughs> it's not Astrid. That's Kyla Minogue in Titanic. It's um what are you thinking of? The name of the Sherlock Holmes character. Oh, um no, it's um uh, Twilight I, I, Zone host. I I'm a <laughs> uh, uh, Irene. Irene Adler. Irene, Irene Adler. Adler. Irene Adler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Irene Adler. Um she was that in the... She never came back, or did she? No, she never came back on Sherlock, did she? No. Anyway, she was too busy being absolutely sensational and winning yeah. her Olivier Award at Best Sporting Actress. Um, and I love that she starts off quite jokingly, and she's still to the end of the strip, keeps that humour, obviously becomes more elegant, and oh, wah, 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 and French. But... Um, she keeps a bit of humour about her. It, I mean, but in like the second one, oh, I'm getting used to this. Oh, I quite like that. Oh, I quite like that. And she's still laughing and joking and throughout. It's just a beautiful progression. It's a beautiful performance from uh, Lara Pulver. And uh, Laura Benanti as well, who was the in the Patty production, uh, also does a wonderful job. Uh, Laura Benanti, another uh, great love of mine. Leads us into the final solo monologue, talking to herself, Martha at the start of Act Three of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which within another year she would be playing. <laughs> um, it's just so sad, and it's the breakdown. And here it is pure. There's none of this Patty, I'm a great showman thing. I mean, we start off with a little bit of, 
you know, oh, oh, I'm you know, making fun of the strip, but I'm doing it myself. And I do like them egg rolls, Mr. Goldstone. But then immediately it just all fades. And it's uh, so sad and so powerful and so uh, absolutely, absolutely incredible and delightful and not delightful, delightfully dramatic and sad. Um, so yeah, Jerome Robbins' original concept for Rose's Turn was as a ballet where everybody would come onto the stage from both acts, finally getting Tulsa and June back, which would mean that the kids would have to stay for another two hours. Whereas in current productions, they, they bow at the end of the kids thing and then they just go home, don't they? Yeah, it works quite well. Um, but they couldn't work it out. And then he said, uh, can it be a song? <laughs> Uh, so, you know, mama's talking loud, mama's doing fine. That was supposed to be a reprise, like the rest of the build-up of Rose's Turn, from a, ver- from a song called Mama's Talking Soft, which would come after um, You'll Never Get Away From Me. Uh, but basically, uh, you know, it was the kids watching it, and they had the kids on this high thing looking down. Uh, but the way that Sundime tells it is uh, the girl playing Louise kept crying, and was scared of heights, and so she could never go up there, so they had to cut it. <laughs> uh, but it was going to be, Mama's talking soft. And, it, you know, it was like, oh, maybe we'll be with Herbie. And so they, then they kind of put a bit of that into if Mama was married. Um, Sondheim again. Self-delusion is at the heart of plays from Oedipus Rex to Death of a Salesman, from Othello to Streetcar. And then he's also said that he stole the Mama, 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 Mama was just stolen straight from Streetcar. And he says that creating Rose's turn with Jules Stein was the high point of his theatrical life. Now, I think that this was completely Sondheim's composition. Entirely. And the way that he writes about it in Finishing the Hats leads into this theory. One of the songs I built it on, Mama's Talking Soft, It's All I, was cut in Philadelphia but I couldn't remove the diction without collapsing the whole number. So it remains with the audience missing the reference. And I regret to say it doesn't matter. It's all I. I think he, I think he, you can, you can hear it. You can hear it. It's like all the, all the atonal melodies and bringing everything together. And, you know, mama, da, 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 mama, 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 mama. There's nothing like that in the rest of the show. Uh, when they first showed it to Ethel, she said, um, it's sort of more of an aria than a song. <laughs> Which to me is obviously what makes it so wonderful. And those incredible moments of like pin drop silence that in this production they even hold for even longer before Mama's got to let go. I mean, <laughs> what for you, Will, knocks it out of the top four? Um, just because I, I had a bit of a bop to the others. I bopped to uh, Rose's Turn. I sing Rose's Turn all the time. This has been a great fortnight for me, singing all of these Gypsy songs. Mm, I've no greatly way. loved it. Um, I love all of these songs. Which, And then we get the ending with, uh, with, with, uh, with uh, Louise coming back on and, you know, saying, you know. And then the ending, Gypsy Rose Lee. Sorry, hum, hum, and her mother, Rose. And I mean, they can't even wait for them to walk off immediately, stand, you know, 
audience rapturous applause. And the minute Imelda's shadow appears for the bows, <laughs> everybody up standing ovation. She got a standing ovation every performance. Oh, I bet she did. I mean, how can you not? And also, it's not like in fucking America where everything goes to standing ovation just for showing <laughs> up. We're British. We, you know, we, you have to earn it. Oh, no, I, I do always stand. No, I don't at all. I once, I hated this one play that we went to go see. And um, I just hated it. And somebody was talking to me after. And, and they were like, but you were rude. You didn't even stand. And I was like, what? You don't have to stand. You should stand when, you know, you want to. Well, I, you know, I, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's personal. That's just my personal opinion. Do you watch your st- um, standing on a mega Mega mixers get the fuck oh. out of your seat everybody because, because you stand and then you just stood there clapping for five minutes you know what's terrible joseph's when the worst example of that well joseph's the worst full stop no you know what's terrible yeah. is when people behind you don't stand up for the mega mix and you feel entirely yeah. bad and you're like why am i feeling bad you have a dancing queen and you have to be like <laughs> you have to keep anxiously looking over your shoulder at this couple who don't want to stand up we went to see Footloose at a very we well. Did. It was in a York. it was just in York on a Thursday afternoon, and it was hardly full. <laughs> it was a matinee on a school week. It was just like the middle of York, and yeah. like five very drunk, let's just say rowdy women were in having the time of their lives. I mean, we were all for it. We were having we were having a great time too. And yeah. then the, this couple just moved because every single song they'd be up dancing. Which, which was, which I don't know would be okay normally, but it was like nobody was there. Was that the one with Maureen Lipton? It was the one with Gareth Gates. <laughs> yeah. That was the bit where they really got excited when Gareth Gates got yeah. his kit <laughs> off and he's got all ripped. Oh, he did, didn't he? He did indeed. Oh, not for hero. Um, anyway, enough about Footloose. Uh, <laughs> Gypsy. We talk a bit more about this. We could talk about more about this. Gypsy. Um, Will, what are your top five lyrics? Will's frozen again. Uh, oh, Will's back again. Will, what are your top five lyrics? Um, I've got so the one with no fits, no fights, no feuds, no egos, amigos together. Mm-hmm. I've got and and. I O U I O U O's who me oh no you are no we are together. Yep. Very good. Very good. Uh, yeah. I've got um now's your inning, stand the world on it, see set it spinning. That'll just be the beginning. That'll be that. how can you say these words? <laughs> I... <laughs> anyway, um, I just I, love how um Goldstone takes a turn with have a goldstone, Mr. Eggroll. Oh, d- that's that. that's like that's the, the the first one I wrote down. Have a gold stone, yeah. Mister Egg Roll. Tell me any little thing that I can do. Have some fried rice, <laughs> Mister Soy Sauce. Have a cookie. Have a few. Uh, I, and then, Great. and then the immediate uh, lyric after that is, "What's the matter, Mister G?" And all I could think of was, "Mom, Mister G." I, I, I <laughs> my name is Mister G. Three talents. One, two, three. When are we doing Mister G episode? Not Summer Heights High, Mr. G, the musical, the episode. Should we stick it in the sundial? (laughs) 
Just I, I could have, I, we genuinely thought it was. Uh... And then we posted an apology video. Hi, guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, um, we're so sorry. We didn't know that um, Mr. G. My, fi my final lyric Some people can thrive and bloom. Living, living life, life in, in a room. living room. Yeah. Yes, that's also <laughs> mine. Uh, so I have, yeah, some people thrive in bloom, living life in a living room. That's perfect for some people of 105. I also have, um, if I sing B flat, oh, we all both sing B flat, oh, we all can be flat, oh, together. It's very funny. Not necessarily a great lyric, but a very good joke. Um, then... Then my two, I'm sorry, well, I have to sing this. Everything's coming up, roses and daffodils. Everything's coming up, sunshine and Santa Claus. Everything's coming up, bright lights and lollipops. Everything's coming up, roses for me and for you. Wonderful. Um, my, my singing. Um, and then, of course, how can it not be? Well, someone tell me, when is it my turn? Don't I get a dream for myself? Starting now, it's going to be my turn, gangway wall. Get off of my runway. Starting now, I bet a thousand this time, boys. I'm taking a thousand. Specifically, thousand and boys are uh, bows out. That's just like beautiful stuff. Um, absolutely incredible. Anyway, uh, what a king. Uh, we know what four songs are going into the canon. <laughs> exciting so now here we go so first song entering the canon I think we can agree of the four together wherever we go is our least least uh, what do you want to put it in first let's just put that's okay that's together wherever we go I want everything's coming up roses first you think everything's coming up roses is the worst first Oh, okay. So, okay, let's do this then. So, does everything's coming up roses? Yeah. Can that boy Foxtrot? Yeah. Sooner or later? Yeah. Love is in the air? Yeah. Invocations? Is everything's coming up roses better than somewhere? I'd say yes. Yeah. A boy like that and I have a love? Yeah. Yes. Tonight quintet? Yeah. Something's coming? No. Okay. Would you agree? Yes, because I have my four songs. So I'll just, I'm just going to make this easier on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> just no, not complain. No fits, no fights, no views, and no egos. Not today. Um, not today. Today. Today, I have a piece of, piece of clay. Okay, next up. Um, everything. So, one minute. Oh, sorry. I put everything's coming up. Roses. Okay. Roses turn. Have you got the cannon in front of you? Uh, I'm trying. The, the sheet's not loading for me. But okay. uh, I, 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 I'm happy to... That comes... I'd say... That's right. annoying, that, because I think it's better than something's coming. Well, oh, sorry, you can't pull this shit now. <laughs> Suddenly you're all on the Rose's turn train. Let's just put it there because I think this is the first full-blown sundown we can rank. Okay. On the top, yeah. Okay, so cut. 
no fits, no fights, no feuds, and no egos. And egos. Okay, so Rose's turn is currently our favourite Sundown song. Uh, then followed by, so then uh, some people, better than the some four incidentals, people. I'd say better than, no, just before somewhere. Really? Yeah, okay, okay. Or would you say better than somewhere? No, I, I think under somewhere. Okay, so just before somewhere, we'll do some people. I hate how Rose has turned into a different font and it's very tiny. I'm going to sort that out <laughs> after. Where do you, you know that this is a shared dock? You can do yeah. whatever you so I'm, wish. I'm on, I'm on uh, view only mode at the minute. It's, on this, it's the same font, by the way. It's just small. Um, okay, so where do you want uh, together wherever we go? After some people? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so our current ranking, Tiger, <laughs> together, <laughs> wherever we are. Okay, at number, pick of the pops, here we go. Pick of the pops, Tony Blackburn. Uh, Will, go back and, the forth, back and forth really quickly from uh, 12 upwards. 12, can that buy Foxtrot? 11, sooner or later. Love is in the air. Invocation is an instruction to the audience. Together, wherever we go. Some people. Somewhere. Oh, the sums are so... Oh. A boy like that, I have a love. Tonight, Quintet. Everything's coming up roses. Something's coming. Whoa. And Rose's turn. Rose's turn. Oh, fantastic. Um... And that's Gypsy. Will, any final thoughts on Gypsy? Watch it. It's very good. I wish I could see it, really. We'll see a Gypsy in our lifetime. Hopefully we both yeah. live long lives. I hope so. Well, no, actually, I don't want us to see Gypsy. I want us to be in Gypsy. <laughs> yeah. Tom, I love you, but I'm catching chicken. Nah, but realistically, you'd be Herbie and I'd be Tulsa. Well, you are a you are an you are a talented individual. You are not that good a dancer. <laughs> Will, did you just forget that half of the yeah, I, I forgot that it's a lovely audition extract that first minute, but then there's five minutes of incredible dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Should I get up where Dan Burton studied and like all the theatrical dance training you did? Or should oh, we no, just... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Gypsy so much. Uh, next episode. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. We're doing the 1966 film, uh, film starring uh, Zero Mostel uh, of the producer's fame, who was also in the original Broadway cast recording. And I believe that Michael Crawford's also in the film. Um, oh, we love Michael. This is a first for you, Will, isn't it? It is. A couple of these songs are going to be some of your favourite Sundimes of all time. I'm going to put money on it now. Wow, very excited. Yeah, uh, just pure fast, just pure comedy. Uh, very funny. And that is Gypsy, which brings us to the end of uh, the end of our episode. Uh, thank you very much, very 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 much. Um, Will, do you want to say goodbye? Bye. Yes, bye. Uh, I'm trying to think of a gypsy lyric. Um, 
everything's coming up roses and daffodils then you do the next bit uh and uh, orchids and sunshine and santa claus and everything's coming up oh now i forgot roses roses and daffodils sunshine and santa claus something and lollipops Brown paper packages tied up in strings. These are a few of our favorite things. Rose. Da ba da ba da ba da. -da. <laughs>